Welcome to the Encourager Podcast, helping women laugh in the face of their discouragement one episode at a time. I'm your host, Kaylin Pullen. This podcast has a hefty dose of humor, a sprinkle of sass, and a truckload of relatability. I'm your co-captain ready to sail alongside you through the turbulent waters of being a woman in today's world. Each week, I'm going to dive into topics like the joy and chaos of motherhood, the romantic roller coaster of marriage, the drama of friendships, the soap operas of family, and how to navigate every part of this dirt road, pothole-filled journey called life without losing our sanity or ourselves. If your life is a perpetually flawless Instagram feed, your children are mini Gandhis who never dare bicker, your marriage is a ceaseless honeymoon where disagreements dare not tread, and everything you lay your hands on turns to gold, I hate to break it to you, honey, but this podcast might not be your cup of tea. But for the rest of us mere mortals navigating the messiness of life with a prayer on our lips and concealer on our dark circles, this is a place where chaos is cherished. Mishaps are celebrated and struggles are toasted to. I'm here to acknowledge that perfection is as mythical as a unicorn doing the cha-cha. This is for us ladies that have beds left unmade, dishes piling up in the sink, text messages left on red, and children who've mastered the art of testing our patience. This is for the ladies who are trying our best, but we're falling short, trying to be kind, but still losing our temper, want to raise our kids right, but run out of patience to deal with them on most days. And we think loving ourselves is a great thought, but we find ourselves comparing everywhere we go. We want to have a rom-com style marriage, but the smallest things set us off like a bottle rocket. And we're dealing with all the other imperfections that don't meet the status quo of being the perfect wife, mom, or woman. If that's you, you're in the right place. I'm here to tell you, you can get up off the couch, turn that cloud above your head into sunshine, and learn to love yourself and your life again, no matter the season you're in. But don't worry, it's not all serious chats and sob stories. Expect plenty of laughter, unexpected life hacks, and ridiculously funny tales of womanhood mishaps that make you say, OMG, me too. So think of me as your favorite, slightly inappropriate, reality check girlfriend who happens to have a mic and a Bible in hand. If you need courage to conquer your biggest fears, comfort to soothe your darkest moments, and strength to push through your toughest days when life's throwing you why me curveballs, a sprinkle of hope, a flood of prayer, and the word is your wellspring turns them into hold my halo and watch this triumphs. The Encourager podcast is not just a show, it's a sisterhood. It's that riotous girls night in where the fun is endless, the laughter is infectious, and the support is rock solid. It's where superwomen come to refill their cups, straighten their crowns, and be reminded that you're stronger than you ever imagined. So grab your headphones, turn the volume louder than the kids' screams, and join me for a relatable session of empowerment, encouragement, and a whole lot of amen. Welcome to the Encourager Podcast. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to the Encourager Podcast. Oh, man, today is a big day. My topic for today is going to shake some people up and... I've gone back and forth of just not really not doing it, but I've been like nervous to do it. I don't, I'm like, God, is this going to overwhelm them? Is this too much for them to hear? Is this going to freak them out? And I'm going to start wading into the deep today. And I'm not sure like how mature you are in your faith, but it's a progression for everyone, right? Like I was a baby Christian once too, not so long ago. I'm still learning every day. But when I was asking God, why do you want me to do this podcast? Like he put this encourager podcast on my heart. And I was like, 
reading the Bible one morning and talking to God. And I'm just like, God, why do you want me to do this podcast? What's the mission of this? And the Holy Spirit literally told me, and I was like writing it and reading what I was writing as I was writing it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you all, but you truly know it's a download from God because the Holy Spirit literally told me you will testify of everything I've done. And then after that, I wrote too many of my people are not armed for battle. They don't see the enemy. They don't understand he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. Tell them, teach them, lead them into battle. This is literally the download I had for God when I was asking him, what do you want me to do with this podcast? And and then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it's so true because if I wouldn't have had experiences like this one, today I'm talking about my deliverance story, how literally I was delivered from demonic oppression. That was really bad. It's a crazy story. I'm excited to tell it to you. But there's so many people out here that are just like the fluffy and vanilla Christians like, oh yeah, heaven is real, but we don't talk about the other stuff. We don't talk about the devil. We don't talk about the enemy. And I was that person once. So it's okay for me to say this because I didn't just get saved and then be like casting the enemy out of my house (laughs) when it goes bump in the night. That's not like how it naturally happens. Like you mature in your faith and then you like start getting opened up to the spiritual realm. And those vanilla and fluffy type of Christians that think heaven's real and we don't really have an enemy and the enemy is not here to kill, steal and destroy everything that God has for us in life. Like those people go without weapons. Like you're letting the enemy attack you, attack your mind, attack your family, attack your children, your marriage without any pushback. Like without any pushback, just letting him come and take what he wants, do what he wants, cause strife where he wants, cause arguments where he wants, cause sickness where he wants, cause failures where he wants, right? Because the enemy's number one goal is to keep you from fulfilling God's purpose, right? To keep you from going to heaven. He wants your soul. There's a fight for your soul, right? And so if you believe that Jesus came to save my soul so that I could go to heaven, you you can't take that part of the Bible and then also believe that there's not an enemy that's also warring for your soul. And But the funny thing is like people get afraid at this point. And I used to be that person that was afraid, right? Let's just not talk about it. Everything's good. Like everything's great. If I just don't have to think about that guy. <laughs> everything's fine. And so my goal here today is to share my story with you of this deliverance in hopes that it opens you up to what spiritual warfare actually looks like, that there is an enemy, but that you have all authority over him. Like you have nothing to fear. It's not scary. The enemy is freaking scared of you. All right. The enemy is scared of you. And that's why he doesn't want you weaponized. Because then you can take authority over him. You can take authority over these happenings. You can take authority over these generational curses in your life that alcoholism runs in your family and you secretly are an alcoholic or you struggle with drugs or you struggle with uh, pornography or you struggle with anger or bitterness, right? And so you have all authority over that, but he doesn't want you to know that. So my little life banner is that when my feet hit the floor, The devil is, oh crap, she's up. Like, I don't know if you guys ever saw that meme, but when I saw it one day, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want my life banner to be. Like when I wake up in the morning that the devil runs and hides, that's what I want. And so before uh, this experience that I'm going to, I'm going to share with you, like I was just that vanilla. I believed in heaven, but there's an enemy after your soul. No, I was just like, ah, just avoid that. What am I supposed to do with that? If I believe that, what am I supposed to do with it? Because I didn't know what the armor looked like. I didn't know what the shield looked like. I don't know what the sword looks like to do something with the fact that there's an enemy 
<laughs> after my life and after my soul. And so I felt like it just made me afraid because I didn't know what I didn't know. And the Bible says, for a struggle is not against flesh and blood, not contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. And man, did I have a battle. So I want to tell you guys about, start the story back when I was a little kid at four years old, right? Ever since, and I know it was four because we were still living in our old house in Kentucky before we had moved to our 200 acre farm in Indiana where I grew up on. And so ever since I was about four years old, I remember being so afraid in my bed at night and the way that my bed was laid I could see down the stairs in this house and I would let sleep with my door open because I was so afraid all the time you guys so afraid all the time and I would lay and I'd look down the stairs I remember at one point okay you guys buckle your seatbelts because I'm gonna just get into this real quick but I remember seeing things like these like dark things like coming up the stairs and it didn't look like a person it was more like a fog And it's like you can see the stairs one moment and then all of a sudden like you can't see the stairs because it's been like blacked out. And then I just felt things coming to me. I got chills all over my body right now because that's how real this is for me. Even telling the story, I have chills all over my body. But seeing it come up, come in my room, I could see the stairs again. I could see the stairs. And so come in my room, I can remember always being watched, being in my room. I remember knowing in my bed, I could feel it move over my bed. And there was almost like a pressing in of the bed at four years old. And so I was just terrified all the time. I was always being watched. It was always around me. It was always with me. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would see things in my room at all ages. Like after this experience is my first experience. But after this, and it was like night after night, the rest of my life, like I would wake up seeing things in my room, seeing black figures above me in corners and never slept ever. I like slept with the the lights on in my room and, and like my TV on until I was 24 years old. I was literally an insomniac. That's how afraid I was. That's how scared I was. That's how much these things like tormented me. And I went to sleep as late as possible. I try to keep my eyes open as long as possible because if I close my eyes, then something might get me. Like that's how afraid I was. There was like a, the boogeyman was real. When everyone says, oh, the boogeyman is not real. There's nothing there. Go back to sleep. And I'm like, no, there, there was though. There was though. And I, I would lay in bed until I couldn't keep my eyes open any longer until they literally were so heavy that I would fall asleep. And that's how I slept every night. And so And my parents always say, oh, yeah, Kaylin would stay up, you know, all night reading books. And I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't because I love books. It was because I was afraid to go to sleep. And so I remember there was this friend that my mom had this and she was like she was an adult Christian woman. And one time she came into our home. All right. Came into our house on the farm. So now this is a different home. All right. So this is why some people say, oh, it was the house. I'm like, no, these things came with us. Because I, re- I had all these experiences from when I was four to six or seven. And then when we moved, it was still a problem. Like things didn't change. It was both homes. They just packed up their suitcases and came with me. And I, uh, I remember she came to our house. And when she came in through our door, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. That she came in through our house and she like immediately starts crying. And now it's like when the Holy Spirit hits me. 
or something supernatural happens in my house or I'm experiencing something or I feel the presence of something, that's what will happen to me. That's, that's how I know it's the Holy Spirit. When I'm like praying for someone, I'll start crying. <laughs> I'll start crying. And I'm not a crier, you guys. So I think that's why, you know, the Holy Spirit does this to me because he's like, I want you to know it's for me because you never cry. So if you see me crying, it's like Holy Spirit time. But she immediately starts crying and she's like, there's something here. There's something like in your house that feels demonic. I can't stay here. And she legit left, left our house. And I was just, yeah, duh. Doesn't everybody's house feel like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Doesn't everybody's house feel like that? And so you might, in, in relation to this, you might have that room or that place that you go into your house or every time you go in this area, you're like, something feels off. Something feels weird. I feel like something's watching me. I'm creeped out. Like all that. It's very, it's, it's just like that, right? Like always feeling like you're being watched. But then like, I actually had the experience of seeing things there, right? Clouds of black, really, I would say mists of black, like objects in my room, standing over me, standing over be my bed, being my bed. And so there's always things around me and watching me. And now I know that now, like being a Christian, I've, un I understand now that I've just, I've always been sensitive to the supernatural and some people might not experience it like this, but you can feel fear for no reason. Like you wake up and you're afraid or you wake up and you feel scared or your kids come and tell you there's something in my room and you're like, no, there's nothing in your room. Go back to sleep. There's nothing here. There's no such thing as a boogeyman. I'm here to tell you that your kids are right. There is such a thing as a boogeyman. There is an enemy out here to kill, steal, and destroy. The cool thing is you have all the authority. You can make it go in a moment's notice and but that it's real and so if you're living life pretending like there's not an enemy you are giving him an all access pass to do whatever he wants in your life so I'm hoping that today this story I'm going to tell you is like a wake-up call for you that you have an enemy that those things that go bump in the night you walk in the room and you get chills you wake up you feel fear for no reason like 99% of the time like that's actually something going on all right that's actually something going on so Maybe a year or so after that is when I got saved and I was actually at our home church in Albuquerque. Um, shout out to Pastor Steve. And he had, you know, taken us under his wing. He had saw that we had this business. We were doing a lot of stuff online. And so they were asking us to help with like their email strategy for the church of just, like, hey, we want to start an email list and like what should we be sending people? We want to stay in touch with them. And so I'm in a conference room with him and like his executive team, me and Brandon are, and we're all around this table. And it's like a straight up business meeting, like business meeting. I'm all like, we're like brand new still. We're young. We had to be like, I had to be like, yeah, I was 24, 24 when this happened. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, they asked us to help them. Like it was the coolest thing in the world. And I felt so proud being there. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Steve had asked me, so what's your backstory? How did you get here? What was your childhood like? And all this stuff. And so I told him, I don't know how we even got on the topic of all the death that had happened in my family. And I started crying because I'm talking about like, my 19 year old cousin that randomly fell off a train trestle and my dad, you know, my dad, my grandpa dropped dead on our farm. Like, and I'm just like going through like just one after the other, after the other of what's happening. He's just, like, wow. Whoa. And he said, you need to go see Phil Kirk. And I was like, who's Phil Kirk? And you have to remember, I'm just a baby Christian at this point. He's like, he's the pastor who will pray for you to help you like get through these things. It, it stops with you. And I was like, so it's like therapy. 
therapy? And I'm like, I'm not doing therapy. And he's like, no, it's deliverance. He'll walk you through like deliverance prayer. And I had no idea what that meant. Like absolutely no idea. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I've never even had one-on-one prayer with anybody at this point. Like I'm just freshly saved kind of deal. And he's, he's actually here today, but he has a six-month wait list. He only comes into town. He lives three hours away. He only comes into town once a quarter. He has a full schedule. He's here today and tomorrow, but he has a full calendar, but I can get you on the list for next time. And so he sends a text to Phil Kirk and Kirk hits him back. Phil Kirk hits him back and he's, oh, my appointment that was supposed to be here right now actually just canceled and I have an opening right now. Send her down to me. And I was already there right at the church, like on this day, he's in town, he has an appointment canceled right then. And I'm like, all right, God's trying to do something. So I go in this room with him. And there's two chairs, just face to face, two chairs right across from each other, kind of close. And I'm like, Oh, man, this is he lied to me, this is gonna be therapy. (laughs) And there's like tissue boxes everywhere. And I'm like, why is there so many tissue boxes? And so Phil Kirk sits me down and he's like, have you ever done anything like this? And I'm like, no. And he's like this grandpa figure. He's probably like 75, older man. And he's just calm and cool and just listening and attentive. And he's like asking me, tell me your story. And so he hears the story I just told Pastor Steve. He hears the story of the why I don't sleep at night. He's like, have you ever felt like there's anything with you? Have you ever had any experiences like this? And I'm like, yeah. So I tell him that whole story. And he's like, so do you know what a generational curse is? And I'm like, no, like what's, I know what a curse is. I've, I've watched witchy movies and stuff. And he's generational curse. It, it stems from several passages of the Bible where God literally describes it as visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Okay. Which doesn't imply that God is like unjustly punishing children for their parents' sins. It actually is just highlighting the reality that the actions of our fathers and our father's fathers and our father's fathers have consequences or they have strongholds or they open, they make footholds in our lives over generations. For, for example, a parent's lifestyle of or grandparents lifestyle of sin or a dysfunctional family pattern like abuse or or alcoholism could potentially affect generations if these harmful behaviors or decisions are passed down and not broken in the name of Jesus, right? So this is how he explained it to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's some of that for sure. And he said it refers to like when a family line is marked by a particular sin, all right? Then individuals for generations would be more likely to continue that sin or to suffer from its consequences. For instance, a family might struggle with patterns of alcoholism or abuse or anger or bitterness or other addictions, or maybe it's occult worship, right? By occult witchcraft, like worshiping or believing or operating in witchcraft as simple as things as Ouija boards, right? And he said, so for instance, with you, do you know if there was any witchcraft in your family? And I'm like, I don't, I have no idea or any, I don't really know. Like I know my family, I I used to mess around with Ouija boards a lot. My bunch of people in my family go to see like mediums and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not a big deal. Like they're just, that's just like a supernatural happening. And he's no, those like that, those aren't loved ones that they're talking to. Those are actually demons. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. 
And at this point, I'm starting to really think about it. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, so what are we doing here? So he pulls out this checklist, okay? And he started asking me questions like, do you struggle with alcohol? Do you struggle with any drug addictions? Do you struggle with sickness? Do you struggle with pain in your body? Do you struggle with pornography or lust? Do you struggle with depression? Do you struggle with anxiety? And so he's asking me all these questions about the things that I physically say yes or no to that that he's thinking what is actually attached to her that is causing all of this, right? What generational curses are there? What needs to be broken? What needs to happen? And everyone, when you hear the word deliverance, like people think the movie Exorcism, like the exorcist or whatever it's called, guys, that is the enemy's way of making this scary because this is the way you actually take background from the enemy. This is the way you actually break all the strongholds in your life. This is the way you actually break all the generational curses. So things like that, the enemy has literally twisted it, has twisted it to make you afraid of this. And it's not scary at all. Like it was just saying prayers. We literally just, he said prayers over me. He stood in agreement with me that these things are broken off of my life. And I'm going to walk you through the process that we actually went through so you can understand what it's like. And you can do this yourself at your church. You can find like, hey, who is the deliverance pastor here? Who's someone that can pray for me with these things? Because that's where I did it was at church. But you can absolutely do this. It's, it's better when you do it in two, though, because you can come into agreement with the other person. There's power in when two come in agreement, it shall be done. And here's how it went. So we're sitting there. He just took all my intake of what I'm struggling with, what's attached to me, asking me all this. And then he asked me to pray to con confess sin and repentance and forgiveness. I was just like, Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned. I'm sorry for my sins, both intentional and unintentional. I apologize, asked for repentance for the following things, and I listed them. And then he said, who are the people that you need to forgive that you haven't forgiven that are causing bitterness? We have to get these out. And he was like, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the people that you need to forgive that is causing bitterness in your life. And so I was like, Holy Spirit, show me who do I have bitterness against? Who do I have a resentment against? Who do I need to forgive? And literally people that I haven't remembered in years and years from girls that bullied me in high school and middle school, I don't remember their name, to adults from my childhood, to conversations or things that people spoke over me or said to me that was still like in, inside of me that I like resented them for. All of a sudden they popped into my head so I could forgive them. And I just said like, I forgive so-and-so of this. I forgive so-and-so of this. I forgive so-and-so of this. And so then he was like, repeat after me, I trust you as my Lord and Savior and I want to make you the center of my life. Please come to my life and make me a whole person that God intended me to be. Come into my heart and soul and mind and body forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And he was like, okay, so now you have done your part and now I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to go one by one down this list and we are going to get every single one of these spirits that are attached to you, all these familiar spirits. We're going to take authority over them and we're going to tell them they can no longer be here, that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, that you are the Holy Spirit's home, you are the Holy Spirit's vessel, and that they can no longer have a part in your life. They can no longer come against you. They can no longer be around you. They can't be in your room at night. They can no longer have control of your mind, heart, and soul. They can't be attached to you anymore. And I was like, okay, 
So I'm like, so what do I do? And he's like, you just take this box of tissues. And I'm like, I don't need the box of tissues. He's like, you just take this box of tissues. And so he starts praying. He said, I speak Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 over Caleb for the purposes of protection during deliverance. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he started saying, Lord Jesus, I humbly ask that you empower me as your dedicated obedient servant to take complete authority over these spiritual forces in the unseen world. And I do it solely for the purposes of delivering Kalen from any and all bondages that may exist. Father, I humbly ask that this power apply to any and all levels of power in the unseen world, no matter whether it be demonic level, principality level, powers, might, dominion, unclean spirit, shadowy figures, or anything else that is not from you. And I rebuke it with Jesus's holy and mighty name. And it's like, he basically goes through this process. He starts telling them any spirit or demon without legal authority, you must go now in the name of Jesus. And then he said, Kaylin, tell these demons to go now in the name of Jesus. And I would say, go now in the name of Jesus. And he would say, I ask that none of the departed spirits be able to return he said something like at this time i bind up the opening in which these spirits came into kaylin no matter how it came into being whether it was by generational curse unhealthy soul tie word curse or even if it came in self-inflicted sin and disobedience i bind up these openings by the blood of jesus christ i rescind any and all invitations that were done either knowingly or unknowingly and state that you are no longer welcome or allowed into kaylin he said i'm now cutting any cables or lines to kaylin via any unknown or undiscovered curses i do this based upon galatians 3 13 he said i break this curse now and in the name of jesus i command you to come out now in Jesus name. I break all generational curses from any family that has gone before Kaylin name. The, and then he would name the curses. So you'd say generational curse of death, of alcoholism, of bitterness, of resentment, of anger, right? Of double mindedness. I break this curse now in the name of Jesus. And I command you to come out now. And then what's crazy is each time that he did this, that I could literally feel if you're sitting, you're like wearing a jacket and it's just like a light, like this jacket, like it's a light jacket. But if you took this jacket off, you would know that you were no longer wearing it. That's how it felt each time. And so he went through every single thing that was on this list. I break these curses. I cut and cast out any word curses that Kaylin has put on herself or any members of her family to, to include her brothers and sisters, her mother and father, her cousins, her friends, her high school friends, her soul ties, anything that put a word curse against her. We break it now in Jesus name. And then he just went through all the spirits just like this, like all the things I told him. So it could have been bitterness, anxiety, anger. He'd say, the spirit of anger needs to come out right now in Jesus name. We cut you off. You have to come out now in Jesus name. Addiction and confusion, deception, unworthiness, fear, which was a huge one for me. Financial patterns, greed, grief, strife, trauma, unbelief, violence, competition, infirmity, sickness, disease. I told him a lot of my family had diabetes. My grandpa died of a heart attack. And so he's casting out and saying the spirit has to come out, come out now in Jesus name. The spirit of cancer has to come out now in Jesus name. 
We plead the blood of Jesus over her body that the spirit of cancer can never enter. The spirit of infirmities can never enter. And then it was occult and witchcraft, right? That any occult worship that had happened, any witchcraft that had been participated in, that we cut and rebuke the curses of witchcraft over my family, that it ends with me, that there is no more generational bloodline tainted with witchcraft or occult. And so he just goes through this whole process with all of these things, with all these things over me. And there was a couple of times where I had a big gas of air leave my lungs, like just a not even facilitated by my own body. And but it wasn't freaky, guys. It wasn't weird. But it's like I kept feeling lighter and lighter with everyone that we would pray through. And yes, I had to use that entire tissue box. I was crying, sobbing. My nose was like running with snot. Okay. And I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like this. I'd never even had one-on-one prayer like this before. And this is like my first, like my first kind of experience. And it was so powerful. I realized and it opened me up into a whole new world of how to pray that there is an enemy after my soul of how to protect my home of how to protect my children of how to when things go bump in the night and chills go up your arms or you wake up in fear. I jump up out of my bed now and I'm like in the name of Jesus you have to get out of my house. And you have no authority here. You have no dominion here. In the name of Jesus, you have to get out of my house. I pray the blood of Jesus over this room that no unclean spirit, no familiar spirit, no demonic spirit has any authority in my home. And you have to get out now in the name of Jesus. You have no power and no authority. And your future is being cast into the lake of fire. I remind him of that. I say, your future is being cast into the lake of fire. So get out of my home. You have no authority here. Jesus has all the authority and he's given it to me. And so you have to get out of my house now in Jesus name and you cannot return. And so when that happens, all of a sudden my room goes from, is there something here? to like all of a sudden just like peaceful and quiet and the atmosphere feels soft. It doesn't feel rigid and cold and like chills on my skin. Like I can physically tell when something leaves. And I have some crazy stories about experiences that have happened like this that I'm going to tell you guys on some other episodes. But I just want you to know that when I left that room, not only did I feel lighter, I literally went home and slept for the first night in my life. As soon as I got into bed and my head hit the pillow, I slept for the first night of my life with no fear, with no waking up, with no feeling of anything watching me, something I dealt with for 24 years of my life. It was, I was finally at peace. I was finally at rest. I was finally at peace. And I slept and have slept since then. Unless something tries to come up in here, it has never been a problem for me ever again. I've slept like a freaking baby from someone that went from I have to sleep with the TV on and the lights on and can't even close my eyes because I'm so scared in my 20s, in my 20s being like that because it's so bad. And then going home and sleeping for the first time in my life, I'm like, wow, like the power of God, the power of Jesus is above everything else because there's no way that I ever think this was possible. And it wasn't scary. It wasn't weird. It's just taking the authority that God's given you, like literally just taking authority over it and saying, you know what? You can't be here. You got to go. Like I like almost laugh at them. 
You know, I like laugh at it when my kids tell me something like, hey, mommy, I'm scared. There's something in my room, whatever, like a toy they brought in or a something or a person that came in working on the house. Something was brought in with them. Things can enter your home that way. And so when my kids say, when my kids say that, they pray with me. We'll be laying in bed and she'll, she'll come tell me that she's afraid or she thinks something's in her room or whatever. And I'll be like, all right, baby, let's pray. And I'll be like, you do it. And she's Jesus, make these bad things get out of my room right now. In Jesus name, you can't stay here and you got to get out. And I'm like, yeah, girl, get them. Like it is as simple as that. And just so you know, that night she slept peacefully. Oh, and she had prayed that angels show up in her room that night because she was afraid. And she was like, hey, God, send me angels to, to be in my room to protect me. And legit, I'll tell this story later, but legit on her baby monitor, angels showed up that night on her camera. I have it recorded. And so I'm just like, if you believe that God has power, that God has authority, that heaven is real, then you can't ignore the fact that the enemy is real and walking around pretending like he's not there, walking around pretending like you're not getting chills for a reason, walking around pretending like something hasn't been generationally passed down to you is what the enemy wants. He wants you the best attack mechanism, the best war mechanism he has is to make you think he's not real. Because if you don't believe that he's real, then he can attack you all day long. You have no defenses. You have no way of protecting yourself. You have no way of protecting your, your children, your family. You have no way of protecting your home. You have no way of protecting your finances. You have no way of protecting your business, right? You have no way of protecting your mind. And so what I'm trying to explain to you today is that this is real. It is legit. And I can tell you that I've prayed with people through this process a bunch over and over. People come to me and say, I'm struggling with this and I'll just pray with them. We cast out the spirit of rejection. We cast out the spirit of fear in Jesus name. And it's as simple as that of taking authority. And yes, sometimes you can say it over and over and over again until you feel a release, until you feel peace. But I just want to encourage you with this today that God's giving you all the authority. It's not scary. It's not weird. And it's not something that we have to be afraid of or that you have to feel weird doing. It's not like that. You should go in that. You should go in that place with confidence or over that generational curse or over that spirit of alcoholism that's in your family that you don't want passed to you and passed to your that it have may have been passed to you and you don't want it passed to your children. You need to take care of that thing right now. Right now. Because if it's a pattern throughout generations of your family and you don't want to give it to your children, then it needs to stop with you. It needs to stop with you. And so you have to take back, you have to push back against the enemy. You have to take back what the enemy has taken and tell them to give it back to your family sevenfold. Everything that's been taken, the enemy has to give back sevenfold. And you need to stand on that and proclaim that. And so I just want to encourage you with this today. Jesus has all the authority, all the dominion. He's given you the power to be able to do this. He said, you will do greater things than I. You will cast out demons. You will perform miracles. You will see signs and wonders, right? And if you believe that Jesus is real, if you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that there's a heaven, then you not believe this piece of it. It is the spiritual warfare side. The more Christians are ignorant and ignoring the fact that this is real, the less power, like you have no power. You have no power. And God's given it to you. He told you he gave it to you. So all I'm saying is you need to start operating in this. You can look up, look up like self-deliverance prayers. Google it, self-deliverance prayers. You can look up, there's a bunch of really good books that I've read that I love. If you guys are, 
<laughs> if you guys are into that, go to Amazon. Look up one of my favorite books. It's going to sound weird. It's going to sound like freaky, but it's not at all. And it has prayers in it and this guy's whole experience and all these stories. And uh, it's called Thou Shall Expel Demons. It's really good. It sounds like a freaky title, but it's not. It's a really great book. I absolutely love it. And that's a great place to start. You got to go start equipping yourself. You need weapons. I want to inspire you today to go actually take up your freaking weapons. You've been walking around like with your loincloths on without weapons or a shield to protect yourself. And so I just want to encourage you today to go freaking pick up the weapons because now I walk in confidence that nothing can come against me because I'm not afraid of it. And I know I have authority over it, that God's given me authority over it. So I'm not afraid of anything. Nothing scares me. Like nothing that goes bump in the night or gives me chills. You might be thinking right now, oh, that freaks me out. I'm like, no, because I'm so confident in it because I've seen things leave. I've felt them go so, I mean, countless times, hundreds of times. But it's like now I've, I've become so much more sensitive in the spirit of knowing when something's there and being like, get the freak out. Get out of my house. I'm laughing. I am smiling. I am like, yeah, dude, I'm about to murk you. You came up in the wrong house today. And so that's the approach that you should take almost a happiness and a gladness that God's giving you the authority to do it, that you don't have to live in fear, that you don't have to live under these curses, that you don't have to live in despair where you feel like everything around you is falling apart because you're letting the enemy attack you piece by piece by piece by piece. And so go take authority over it. And so I hope that's uh, that's encouraging to you ladies today. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray us out. Uh, but before I do, please, hey, take two seconds. Leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Click the just five-star button. It takes two seconds. Uh, you don't even need to leave me like a worded review. But I love reading them. If you want to just take a couple seconds, it really encourages me. I really appreciate it. But just take two seconds to leave a five-star review. It helps me so much. Um, it's very encouraging to me. I'm just doing this in my spare time when I can. And I just, I want to bring encouragement and power and, and weaponize you amazing women of God. We need to be weaponized, right? We need to have authority for our family. We need to be praying like this for our family and for our children. And so leave, leave that five-star review, please. Because there's a lot of you that DM me on social media and you're like, oh, it's so good. I'm loving the podcast. Or you're commenting. I'm like, please, I read the podcast reviews. Don't DM me. Just leave it a five-star review on the podcast. And let me read it there. That just, that helps so much more. Okay. All right. I think I'm done. Let me pray us out. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us all power and authority, that every unclean spirit has to bow to your name, has to leave in your name. We thank you that you are our protector, that you are a shield, that you are a sword. We put on the armor of God and we say, enemy, you're going to regret this day. You're going to regret this day today. That when our feet hit the floor, the enemy says, oh, crap, she's up. That no spirit can come against our family, our home, our children, our marriage. And we cast those out in Jesus' name. And we thank you that these women, that you pour out confidence over them, that you pour out confidence, that you remove any spirit of fear when it comes to taking authority over the enemy, that you remove that spirit of fear right now for them in Jesus' name. And we pray the blood of Jesus over them, that as they go into this spiritual war, that they have a gladness and a confidence and a happiness and a joy and almost a laughter of rebuking the enemy. I pray that you push back the enemy and make him give back sevenfold of what he has taken from our family. 
And so we thank you. We praise you. We pray the blood of Jesus over our homes and our children, our marriages today. We pray protection over these women as they go into this fight. And we just thank you for being here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yay, ladies. Love stoked. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go fight. So I have a, a couple super crazy stories of this actually in action, like in my house, in other places, from dreams, visions to a lot of happenings where this is actually put into action. I want to share those stories with you in coming weeks on the show. So now that we've waded into the water here, I feel like we're going to start moving into a little bit crazier stuff, but I'm just glad I want you to put on your armor of God. We're weaponized together and we, we need to go take background from the enemy. Let's go take background uh, from him and make new ground for the kingdom together. So I love you and I will see you next time.